Hello and welcome to the Two Gals and a Mic podcast. I'm your host, Sue Kerber, and today I'm joined by Jennifer Parskel, who's a self-proclaimed organized chaos expert, a mom, and an entrepreneur who spent the better part of two decades supporting her household and family while her husband deployed as part of the Army Special Forces. Jen, welcome to the show. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you. I want to start with that moniker, organized chaos expert. What does that mean? And how do you apply that in your life? Organized chaos can be whatever you want it to be. Nothing is ever perfect. And it takes way too much energy, in my opinion, to portray to the outside world that, you know, your life is perfect. You know, my kids were little. Oftentimes I was on my own, you know, just trying to just trying to figure things out. The house can be a disaster if the kids are happy, if they're healthy, if they're clean, nobody needs to be the smelly kid in class. That's kind of like household organized chaos. I may appear to be like organized and put together on the outside, but really I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah. Does that give you a sense of freedom to not feel like you have to be within those parameters? You know, it gives me the freedom to be a better mom, a better wife, a better business person. Um, It just gives me the freedom because what it does is it takes away caring what the outside world thinks of you. And I mean, everybody cares what people think of them to some degree. I've just removed a lot of that, you know, especially during deployments and stuff. It was like, okay, I will go crazy if I adhere to like the house can never be messy, that nothing can ever be out of place. The kids always have to look like a Pottery Barn commercial. That's not life. I'm glad you brought that up because you started your family at a young age. And so you really have spent a lot of time juggling kids, juggling your household, juggling a spouse who was deploying to combat zones and various special assignments. Aside from learning this organized chaos and making it all work. I mean, really I'm disorganized and I fly by the seat of my pants, but that just sounds better. But what's been the best part of this journey? You know, obviously raising my kids, that's like my biggest accomplishment. I learned a lot about myself when we moved in 2010, when we moved to Fort Bragg, I went from being under my father's roof to being married, to being a mom, to then John going to basic training when We had been married for three years and had two kids already. I was never independent. I've always been very independent minded. So when I moved thousands of miles away to North Carolina, where I didn't know anybody, I didn't have family that could drop everything and just come and help me on a whim. I think that I learned that I can do things. I was 25, 26 years old when we moved there. I was a child. I had these two babies. And then I got there and a week later, John was gone. And I was in this house alone with these two babies in a place that I had never lived. Didn't know where the nearest grocery store was. Didn't know like you know, if I got a flat tire, who to take my car to? I didn't, you know, I didn't know these things. On top of that, our household goods hadn't even gotten there either. I'm grateful for that. There's a lot of spouses in particular that I have talked to over the years. There's sort of a resentment in their hearts about that time in their lives. And it really, it was some of the best years of my life because I learned how to stand, you know, stand on my own two feet while still having a loving husband and a family and everything. And I also learned when 
stuff hits the fan, like I can handle it. How did you learn it? Or did it just kind of happen? It just kind of happened. Like, I guess I didn't realize that I had that gumption and that inner fortitude. I did research. You know, I would go to parks with the boys and I would meet other moms. We'd go to story time at the library. Like I really am not a put myself out there kind of person. I've made myself be that way over the years because you can't do it all alone. People need people. I'm not a person that wants 10,000 friends. Like that's way too much maintenance for me. So like I had a really good core group of hockey moms slash military spouses. Most of us were special operations spouses. What was it like being a special operation forces spouse? I mean, I would imagine John was deployed to some very tenuous situations and combat places. So what was that like for you being back at home with these kids and with these other spouses? How did you manage that? I did a lot of crying in the closet. I just never felt I could fall apart in front of them. When you're that soul person that is their world, especially when they're little, like I learned how to compartmentalize during his first deployment. There was like, there was a helicopter crash or something. And it was kind of in the vicinity that we maybe thought he was. And my brothers are like frantically calling me. They're like, Hey, you heard from John? Have you heard from John? And I'm like, please stop calling me. You know, I drew the line in the sand and I said, listen, I know that you guys are worried and concerned and like in your mainstream civilian lives, you watch the news and you wonder about things. And I appreciate, you know, your concern, but I can't, I don't watch the news right now. I've got these three little kids and this household to run. I've got carpools. I've got lunch boxes. I've got, you know, cause at the time I didn't work. No, no news is good news is what I would tell myself. He'll call when he can call. He's not going to just not call me. Internet is spotty in the middle East. And when the kids were little, they just know that daddy was away at work. And for them, that meant he was going to be gone for a really long time. What's a really long time. How long was, were his deployments um, typically? Third group. Uh, deployments were six months. A lot of those turned into like seven or eight months. And then when he jumped over to the unit, they were four month rotations. They had what was called a jort cycle, which is four months of training, four months of alert, and four months of deployment. 2019, John had just gotten back. He got deployed on the alert cycle came home and then like three months later deployed again. That's the time I called the trenches. I was in the trenches. Really, you're not out of the trenches until they're all out of diapers. So you're at home with three littles and you're in the trenches. He's deployed for the majority of a year. I mean, if you look at that yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. As, for multiple seasons, right? He's gone yeah. spring, summer, fall kind of a thing. Uh, you've got minimal communication. So you don't really know what's yeah. going on. My question to you, now that you have all of this hindsight, what would you say to younger spouses who currently are in that period of their lives where they have a spouse who might be deploying with this same kind of routine? I, I mean, this sounds so cliche, but don't sweat the small stuff. Cherish that time. Even though you're going through it with a deployed spouse, cherish that time if you've got little kids, because they're not going to be little forever, no matter what you're going through, your kids are going to grow up like that. 
have fun. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom because your spouse isn't there by your side. He needs to know that his household is, it's, I mean, physically it's probably a wreck, but everybody's having a good time. You know, Jen, you bring up such a good point. I'm not sure that we give enough credit to our spouses, our military spouses, because these are the people, men and women who are holding down the fort. And, and they're- you know what? I don't care who you are. I don't care if this is your husband's or wife's first deployment, second deployment, 15th, whatever. You are always, at least at some point, like for me, it was more often than not hanging on by your fingernails. What about moving around? I know that when I was in the military, we had to move it's, it seemed like every couple of years, it may have been every two years or four years, depending on the type of uh, billet that we were in. Did you yeah. have to move a lot? And how was that for you integrating back into community or finding another community? So we were lucky. John started out at Special Forces Assessment and Selection down at Fort Bragg. Uh, he went through the Special Forces course for, you know, the people listening out there that don't know what that is, that is the road to becoming a Green Beret in the United States Army. Then when he graduated the Q course, he ended up in third special forces group, which is also at Fort Bragg. So we were there for 14 years. The worst part for me was I would get this close knit network and then they would all move and I would be left behind. There was one summer, John was on his second deployment in Afghanistan. I think. And I think Hayden was about eight at the time. Evelyn was still very little. I think she was like two, maybe barely three. And it was the summertime. So everybody was moving. I had four or five people in our cute little neighborhood. We were family. I had a friend named Lori. She was an Air Force spouse and her husband was in Cutter on like a year long assignment at the time. So she and I would call each other and be like, Hey, do you want to divide and conquer tonight? And what that meant was we could divided and conquered dinner. I would bring whatever I had, the kids would play and then we'd help each other because our kids were all about the same age. We'd help each other get everybody bathed, teeth brushed, jammies, and then whosever house we were at. So like if I was at her house, I just bring my kids jammies and then take them home, put everybody to bed. You get really, really close to these people. And then when they do move, it makes it all that much harder. So what about when John retired from the army? How was it to transition from this military lifestyle, your spousal group, these deployments where he wasn't around for a large amount of time, lack of communication, you know, all of these things. Now he's home, he's there, you're there, you've got a family unit, you're no longer attached to the billet or really the military. What was that transition like, Jen? How did you handle it? And what looked different? I feel like we're still like transitioning out of it kind of. As far as our family life went, it was an adjustment, but not in a bad way. You know, a lot of spouses are like, oh, he's going to be home all the time now. And, you know, I mean, I like my husband, so I was excited that he was going to be around all the time. You know, it's nice. I mean, he's been my partner in crime since we were kids. We sort of raised each other through our twenties. Now we're 40 and we've been together for 20 years. It's been a roller coaster. It's been a really long, windy, sometimes riddled with pothole road. You have to have the mindset of there's no I 
anymore. It's a we thing. You put the we before the me. I've been having a good time with the with the transition and having him around more. I, you know, he travels with his job now. And so I think that, I don't know, maybe he is, maybe we're driving him nuts. I don't know. So maybe he gets, you know, two or three day reprieves here and there from my lunacy. And so you're no longer moving around. You went from Fort Bragg and you have made it to Montana and yes. found potentially your roots in Montana and now you own a business. So how did you get started with your business? What has entrepreneurship been like for you? It sort of started, well, it started in North Carolina when my kids finally all went to school. We were kind of living paycheck to paycheck. We just did a really good job of stretching every dollar when I was a stay-at-home mom. I was clipping coupons, you know, watching the sales at the grocery stores. And my kids wore a lot of hand-me-downs. But then I was like, okay, well, now I can help with the bottom line. My mother cleaned houses for 15 years growing up, I would go and help her. She really taught me that you can have it all. I could be there for my kids' programs. I could be there for their games and practices. I could pick them up from school, make them dinner, help them with their homework, but I also could contribute to the household income. And I did that. I was like, you know what? People around here need their houses clean. So I used to do a Facebook ad. It kind of blew up from there. And I was like, whoa, I just kind of moved that here to Montana. It was very successful in North Carolina. And like the demand for cleaning personnel in the Gallatin Valley is through the roof. I love all my clients too. They become like family, but I, I don't know. I just feel like this is a very personal business. People are trusting me to come into their homes. Your home is your sanctuary. It just was kind of an easy thing for me to just be like, oh, well, this sounds like a good idea. There's very little overhead cost. I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. My daughter has me listed in her phone as boss lady. I am now that example for her, just like my mother was for me, I just was very lucky to be raised by two very strong, hardworking human beings. And I love this idea that you keep bringing up that you were raised with the example that you can have it all because- Because you can. Uh, right. And you know, like when you were younger and your kids were littles, I know that you were an avid runner. You qualified for Boston five times while you were pushing a baby stroller. Here we are in a brand new year. And you know, so many folks are making new year's resolutions. There's lots of excuses that float around with that. I can't do it. I don't have time. What kind of tips would you have for people who want to pursue that? Whether it's a larger athletic challenge, like qualifying for Boston, or if it's just I'd like to lose a little weight, or I'd like to get in shape, or I'd like to be a little bit more active. Just do it. You just do it. I had that inner voice in my head. Even as a mom, I had that inner voice in my head. Oh, you're really effing this up today. What are you doing, dummy? Don't listen to her or him or whatever, or who's whoever is in your head. Listen to yourself. Honestly, at the time in my life, running was a coping thing for me. And it got myself and my children outside. Um, I'd go run the trails. I'd put Hayden on his bike. I'd put the two babies in the stroller. When Hayden would get tired uh, on his bike, there was this two-mile loop that I would just do over and over again. Sometimes I would really splurge. I would get a babysitter and I would go on a long run by myself. Most of the time, I, it was just loops. Where there's a will, there's a way, I would say. Yeah, I had these three kids and I didn't 
often didn't have anybody to watch them. So I did the next best thing. I'm just like, all right, well, I guess I'll just get faster and stronger because I'm pushing 80 pounds in front of me. When Hayden would get tired on his bike, there's this little pond and he'd go sit on a bench and he'd feed the ducks or throw rocks into the water. And But it was this loop so I could always see him. There were always points in it where I could see him. So you just do it. Just make the time, get out there and do it. There's always time, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always time. Oftentimes I know that it doesn't seem like there's enough time, but life is short. You've got time. If you want to, if you truly want to, you know, go out and better yourself, just do it. There's no real special formula. I don't think, you know, and I would agree with you, especially when we talk about time and time management, I have always said you prioritize your time for the things that are important to you. You can take that hour or hour and a half and get out, get into nature and get into the sunshine, Mm -hmm. or you can doom scroll on your social media feed and see what kind of fake perfection is out there that everybody else has shown up as, right? So zombify yourself. If you need motivation, turn it into like a family activity or an activity that you do with your spouse. As an experienced runner, I mean, I ran in college and everything too. My advice would be start walking. Walk a mile each day for a week, then up at the two, then up at the three, then start jogging a mile. Ease yourself into it. And then that makes it, because if you go out and you're like, I'm going to run five miles today. And then you're so sore the next day, you're just like, I'm never doing that again. Give yourself enough time. Ease yourself into it. Give yourself some grace. Turn it into an activity for everybody to enjoy. It doesn't have to be expensive or elaborate or anything to have that time with your people. And you can also improve yourself or, or work towards your own personal goals as well. And then you find that your family cheers you on. I remember crossing the finish line, 2015 All-American Marathon at Fort Bragg. And I couldn't figure out why everybody was yelling so loud and like ringing these cowbells and everything until I looked forward and there was the tape. I had won the female division of that race. Do you know who was waiting for me at that finish line? It was my baby, my little three-year-old daughter. I picked her up and Sammy's hugging my leg and Hayden's got his arms around me. That was a perfect day. The only thing missing was John. John was deployed. But again, back to our first part of the conversation. Like you can't dwell on that. He was very happy for me from a distance and proud. At the end of the day, all that matters is, is who you got in your corner, you know? Yeah. And going back to the first part of the conversation where you said that you had been not so independent for the first part of your life until you made it to Fort Bragg and until you found out by circumstances that you had no other choice, but to be independent. So to go from that to you fully committing and leaning into something that was important to you Mm -hmm. to crossing the finish line as the winner of the female division for that marathon race. Jen, that is just remarkable. I couldn't believe it. That was like one of the best days of my life. The Fort Bragg newspaper wanted a comment from me right away. They're like, "Uh, what unit are you from, ma'am? And I'm like, "Uh, I'm a spouse. Everybody was shocked that I was a spouse. There's nothing in the world like that feeling of working so, so hard to achieve a goal, whether, Mm -hmm. whether you're the winner or you're coming in close to the back of the pack, but crossing that finish line and just having people lined on both sides 
to cheer yeah. you in, having people on the street throughout your entire journey. I think it's this big metaphor for life where you have people yeah. who are cheering you on at mile two, at mile six, yeah. at mile 23, when you're not sure you can even finish the race, yeah. right? Jen, what's on the horizon for you? What's next? I, I guess getting my kids all the way raised, I mean, they're turning into genuinely awesome human beings. Those guys are kind of like my love letter to this world. That's my greatest accomplishment is those babies. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing with my business and just kind of let things grow. And I don't think I will ever be done pursuing life and, and the next thing. There's this feeling of contentment and we're comfortable. Okay, what's the next thing? Let's go do the next thing. I mean, honestly, I don't know what's on the horizon for me. Because again, like fly by the seat of my pants. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because I, it's very fortunate. I've got a great husband and, and great kids and great family and friends helping me be who I am. It, it truly takes a village for everybody. Well, Jen, thanks so much for sharing your insights and your inspiration with us today. I can't wait to see what's on the horizon for you in this new year and how organized chaos is going to play into all of that. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It's been great to be, this has been fun. <laughs> and thank you listeners for tuning in. Be sure that you like the podcast and subscribe so that you don't miss any of these extraordinary stories. I'll see you next week for another episode of Two Gals and a Mic.